This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers this teaching entitled Biblical Knowledge. This is the second message in the series Real Mature. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. I don't know if I'm ready to teach. I just so much fun watching people get things settled with God, and that's what we're talking about. And then I'm deciding as I'm sitting there, do I cut the teaching a little bit so it would get everybody out in time? And <laughs> no. Others, oh please. <laughs> it's holiday. Spiritual maturity. What 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 is spiritual maturity? What does it mean to be real mature? And maybe your response is like, who cares? I mean, why do I want to be spiritual mature? But let me give you just a bit of a conviction here. I'm convinced we all want to be spiritually mature because they get the best life on earth and eternity. Hear me on this. The spiritual mature, when you're real mature in Christ, you get the best life you can have here on earth. And then for, for all of eternity. Because real maturity breathes life into everything. Real maturity breathes life into everything. Why don't you just tell your neighbor that? Just lean, lean over and tell them it breathes life into everything. Just say it so that we've all heard it. Just tell them. It breathes life into everything. Tell them. Tell them it breathes life into everything. It breathes life into your relationships, into your career, into your finances, into your family, into your soul. So let's go back to it. Spiritual maturity. Don't make it any more complicated than this. It's a growing relationship with God. Spiritual maturity is a growing relationship. It's a relationship. A growing relationship with God who is spirit. And it's like all other relationships. It is dynamic, not static. Which means you are either improving or deteriorating, declining. You're either going forward or you're going backward. But there's no neutral. There's no what, church? There's no neutral. In any relationship, and that's true with your relationship with God, there's no neutral. You are either growing closer or you're growing apart. Write that down. You're either growing closer or growing apart. you got to know what's going on. What do we mean when we say spiritually mature? You're in a relationship with God. God's in the pursuit of you. You join and be in the pursuit of God. It's like all human relationships. This summer, Marsha and I, uh, my wife and best friend, we will celebrate 35 years of marriage this August. And so we celebrate, kind of having walked through, but, it, but it's a relationship of pursuing each other. But it started with me pursuing her. All the way back in college, one of my favorite classic family stories. She, she was a freshman in college. I was a junior. And the freshman class was doing an uh, auction to raise money. And they were auctioning themselves off as freshmen to upperclassmen, and they would be a servant for a day. So the upperclassmen would bid on them, and then and you would buy them, and then they would be your servant for a day, which means they'd carry your books or get your lunch or clean up the mess or, in my case, wash your motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it's just fun, but a fundraiser. So when Marsha, who I did not know, stepped on the stage with three other friends, and that group was going to be sold, I'm like, that's the girl I want. I know, it sounds like, that, something doesn't sound right about it, but that's what happened. She got on stage, and I'm like, I'm going to buy her. <laughs> and so I bid. <laughs> I bid it up to $11, and the gavel came down, sold. I bought my future wife for 11 bucks. Now, that's a great deal. I mean, you got to love that. 
It really happened that way. She hates this story, but I love telling it. Now, of course, I've been her servant ever since. It's cost a lot more money than 11 bucks. But that's, that's just, that's irrelevant. We don't have to go into that. And after that servant for a day thing, man, I decided I wanted to get closer. I wanted a relationship with her. So I changed my schedule. I mean, literally changed my calendar. Whatever I could do. I, I memorized. I knew where, her, where she was every, time, every day. I knew exactly where she was. I used to, I know you're going to sound this, think this numb. I used to wait behind trees. I knew where she was walking. And so this is the time she'd be going to the library. And I'd wait behind the tree. And as soon as she'd pass, I'd be, I'd, oh, hey. You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> fancy seeing you here. I mean, I, I mean I'm going to have a relationship with her. I, I am going to win. And then, then I had to change my finances. I mean, I, I was poor, and, but I was going to take her out. And so we ate better than I ever ate on my own because, you know what, I'm going I'm to take care of this girl. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to woo her. I had to change my effort, found out she was a, a, an A student, and, and I wasn't. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And so I decided I'm going to have to increase my effort if I'm going to win this girl. So then I said, so next semester, I was 4.0. I didn't do that often. But I did that just to make a point. You're not dating a dummy. I mean, I just, whatever it would take to, to draw closer, to be in the pursuit of her. Just a relationship. And when we got married, can I tell you what didn't happen after the honeymoon? I didn't say to her, do I have to move in with you now? Am I, am I going to have to live with you? Do, do I have to keep changing my calendar for you and changing finances for you and changing my effort? Do I got to keep dating you or are we done now? I, I never said that. Because huh? I wanted to be with her. I, I wanted to be married. I wanted a growing relationship. We have kept dating every Thursday night We've been on some 1,800 to 2,000 dates together. And we still date every Thursday night, no kids. <laughs> because we want a growing relationship. Listen, relationships are dynamic. They're not static. You can't ride off the past because that'll erode in the present. And that includes your relationship with God. You're either growing closer or you're growing apart. Don't make spiritual maturity any more complicated than that. It's a growing relationship. You're in the pursuit of God and you're invested. And so every day, at every moment, at every increment, with every decision, you're making a decision to grow closer or, or, or further apart. Remember a, a few weeks ago at the end of March, I, I kind of drew this out in a what's on my mind moment where I said there are people who are far from God. We call it kind of like a zero all the way to, to 20. I don't even know what a, a spiritual 20 is, but that's kind of complete in, in God, your relationship with God. That's spiritual maturity. Back here are people who are apart from God and that we said, somewhere along the way, if you move toward God and God draws you by his spirit, we call it kind of like you hit a 10. This is where you finally say yes to Jesus Christ and you come into the kingdom of God. But that walking with God is movement, 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 progressively closer toward him. And every decision and every action, spiritual growth is just moving that direction toward God. And, and then we said spiritual maturity is three things in one. You might remember something in that conversation. You can get online. In fact, we'll, we'll recap it online with like a four or five minute video uh, from the weekend when I taught it. But, but the first one is spiritual intimacy. That their Spiritual maturity is marked by three things. The first is spiritual intimacy. 
And that engages your heart. But it, there's more than that. Then there's biblical knowledge. And that engages your head. But that's not it. That's not the end. Then there's holy obedience. And that engages your will. Now there's more to it than just three quick statements. And I unpack it online for that five minutes and you may need that to understand the, the, how each of these integrate because it's not just any one of those. It's all three in one and one without the other two dismantles your spiritual maturity. And so we've been unpacking this. Last week, Kevin Queen talked about spiritual intimacy. Today, we're gonna talk about biblical knowledge. Now, they can't be separated, but we have to in order to unpack them. So here's what I'm saying. And you might want to jot down what I'm about to put here. In every situation in life, pretty much every situation, every decision, anything related to relationship, marriage, family, anything related to career, finance, how you manage your time, your resources, your effort, your energy, what you dream of, your ethics, values, morals, decisions in life, behavior, all, all of it has to have an opening question. Say it with me. Is that true? Say that with me. Is that true? One more time. Say it with me. Is that true? And how it really is said is, is that true? I mean, every decision, every issue, every situation, the very first thing you should be in the habit of doing, if you're going to be spiritually mature, is asking the question, is that true? I, I, I'll, I'll illustrate. Let me, I, I wrote down examples of, uh, of questions to, to try and make sense of this. Because, here's what, here, because biblical knowledge is to mature your mind. Biblical knowledge is to challenge your thinking. Biblical knowledge is to, is to understand God. And, and so, so every situation, every circumstance, every question, every, every issue in life, you, you ask the question, is that true? And, and I wrote some examples down. God's love for us means we are not expected to change anything. Just be who we feel like being. Is that true? Life should be fair. Really? Is that true? Being a Christian should be easy. Is that true? My spouse should meet all my needs. Is that true? You don't have to answer them while I ask them. I'm just illustrating. <laughs> Evolution is proven by science, while creationism relies on faith, not science. Is that true? God uses only spiritually strong people who have it all together. Is that true? Divorce is never a sin. Is that true? Divorce is always a sin. Is that true? My money is mine and God has nothing to say about it. Hmm, is that true? There is no hell and everyone goes to heaven. Is that true? How I feel about something makes something true. You sure? Is that true? There are many ways to God and Jesus is just one of them. Hmm, is that true? Drunkenness is fun and God has no opinion on the matter. Is that true? I shouldn't read that on a holiday weekend, should I? Let me... <laughs> If you knew the things that went off in my head that I never say, marks of maturity. Okay. Living together without marriage is a great option. Living together without marriage is a great option to learn if you're compatible. Is that true? People are basically good. Is that true? See, all through life, the world is feeding all kinds of questions, statements. And to be spiritually mature is to insert, is that true? And figure out, what is your source of truth. What, what are you going to rely on? See, at, at any given 
moment, when, when, when you ask, is that true, there are at least three ways to filter that. The first one, uh, you might want to jot these down, is God's word. But there's another one. We'll just call it people's. I'll, I'll call it people's word. People have input. So people's words, the culture, the society, or, or, or there's your own word. You're like, I have my own thoughts, my own words, my own way of seeing. In other words, to answer questions like I just asked and illustrated, where do you go? What is your source of truth? Do you go to the Bible, God's word, or do you go to people's words, or do you go to your own words? How, how do you know something is true? What defines something is true? So take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's all do that together here across campuses. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, particularly, it's on page 1199. Page 1199 if you're in your worship center Bible. Bible of your own at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you're on a mobile device, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read verse 16, but we'll move up to it from verse 14 on. It's on page 1199 in your worship center Bible. Here we go. Paul's writing to Timothy. And he writes, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Okay, that, that's the Bible, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's verse 16. Look at it with me. All scripture, the Bible, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is what, everybody? God breathed. Now, whether you believe this or not, what you need to know is this is what God is teaching us. This is the truth. The script, all Scripture is God-breathed. Say it one more time loud and proud. It is what? God-breathed. Huh. And therefore, it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Training in what is right. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. See, the Bible is not just another book. It is God breathed. And when God breathes into something, it's life-giving. See, the truth huh, breathes life into living. Might want to write that down. Because that is a transforming truth. The Bible, God's word, is God-breathed. And because it's God-breathed, the truth of God, it breathes life into living. All the things that you long for in life, the best that you can have in this world, to have God like he did in the Garden of Eden when he created mankind, he breathed life in him, the breath of life. The truth is God breathed. And it breathes life into everything. Everything you're longing for, dreaming for, and you ultimately want, you find rooted in the truth of God. Because the Bible is God's word. Therefore, God's word becomes the first word for truth. See, every time you have an issue, decision, value, moral, ethic, and the like, anywhere in life, the first thing you do is ask, is that true? And when you ask, is that true, how you answer it matters. And God's word becomes the first word on what's true. And this is where people make their mistake. This is where most people spiritually stall out. 
because they verbally say, oh yeah, that's God's word. Yeah, God's word is the first word on what is true. And which means you're progressing like this and you're moving along in your relationship with God and layer after layer after layer, yeah, yes, yes, truth, truth, truth. And until you don't. <laughs> because you don't like something. That all of a sudden, God teaches something is truth, but you don't care for it. You've allowed people's words and your own words to usurp God's word. And you get caught in the cycle and the stall of talking about God's word as if it's true, while at other points, you live as if it's not. And that's how most people get spiritually stuck. When I was in later elementary years, my dad was the equivalent of my Sunday school teacher. And it's pretty awesome to have your dad teaching Sunday school. He's teaching us the Bible, God's word, that it's God-breathed, that, that it breathes life into living. And, and, and he's teaching us this. My parents came to faith when I was about three years old and, and, and were heavy invested church people and studying the Bible. And, um, and then when they divorced, in my uh, very uh, early middle school years, uh, there was so much conflict in me. Like on one side, we keep talking about this truth of God, and then over here, how come it doesn't transfer? And there was a, a period of time uh, when Dad, after the divorce, uh, decided to, to live with someone like he was married to them when he wasn't. And um, this, was, this was really messing me up. And I asked Dad, how, how do you go live with someone when you're not married to them and say that's okay? And he, he says, well, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time. For, for me, it's okay. I'm still a Christian. Wow. I remember conversations with Mom. I'm like, Mom, I don't... I don't get this world anymore. I don't get us anymore. I don't get the family anymore. I don't get dad anymore. And she says, son, you can't be like your dad and I. Because sometimes we followed the truth and sometimes we didn't, which means it was half truth. And what you need to know is half truth breathes lies and loss into your life. Half truth breathes lies and loss into your life. Listen. Half-truths ruined our life. And that sealed some, something in me. It, I, I settled in my soul. You know what? I'm either going to be all in or all out, but I got I to gotta decide what is going to be the first word on what is true in life. You better figure this out. Because you can't, can't, can't waffle back and forth. In and that, that's what's undoing many people who say they walk away. You can be in the church, be hanging around in the church. But if you like take portions of it and call it true and then dismiss other portions of it and delete it as true, you, you're going to get caught in a cycle stuck. And you start growing toward them and then you're going apart. This right here, the truth of God, the biblical knowledge, this right here is where you said, what kind of life are you really going to have? I remember having to settle that stuff early on and watching it live out in our family. I think it's, it's, I think it's what, what David is talking about in Psalm 1. Look at this on the screen. I want you to see Psalm 1 and what David, by the inspiration of the Spirit, was trying to help us understand. Blessed are the lives of those who do not live like this world 
in sin, but instead you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. That person is like a tree, like a what? Tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, it prospers. He's painting a picture. I'm, well, we're not trees. But he's saying what a tree does is, is, it, is it continues to drive down roots and, and strengthen and widen its base and its trunk. It's able to reach things that could otherwise not be reached. And, 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 and if you can draw that and build that and survive storms, your life becomes like that tree and you become productive and prosperous and powerful. And, and don't you want that kind of life? Marsha and I had the chance to see that kind of a tree about 10 days ago. We, we were uh, traveling through California with some, some ministry friends, and we got a chance to, to kind of go on an offside shoot uh, on one particular afternoon and go to Sequoia National Park. I don't know if you've ever been there. This is my first time. But we saw the largest tree in the world. Fact, largest tree in the world. This tree, in terms of volume, is the largest. It weighs about 4 million pounds. Now, it was such a rainy and foggy day, we didn't get great pictures of it, but I grabbed uh, uh, online somebody's amateur picture of this tree. It's called General Sherman, and I just want to give you just a, just a moment. This tree is like bad to the bone. Check it out. Is that crazier than what? I mean, as soon as you get closer and closer, you see the perspective of a human being to the tree. It's like, that, how can that be one tree? Blows your mind. It's 275 feet tall. At the base, at the ground base, where it spreads all the way, it's 102 feet around. In fact, we, we, we couldn't get close enough to, to, to see it. In that, but what they built is next to it is, is on the ground. They kind of built a cement, a layout of the base of the tree so you could see its proximity. Here's a picture of Marsha standing in the middle of what is the circumference of the tree, just so that you can get a visual. Does that just blow? That's a tree. That's the base you're covering. In other words, David is writing and the Holy Spirit's inspiring and asking you this. Don't you want to be that kind of tree in life? Don't you want a marriage that's that strong? Don't you want a career that's that prosperous? Don't you want to live in a world where your relationships have that kind of, uh, uh, of impact? Don't you want to be strong in life? Don't you want the fullness of life? Don't you want to be like a tree planted by streams of living water? Then make sure that in every situation of life, you lean into God's word as the first word for truth that evaluates and sets the truth for all other words. You set people's words and your own words aside. And the first word is God's word because it's God breathed and it breathes life into living. So is it true? Spiritual maturity always asks. Now, is that true? And then it goes to God's word first to answer. Let me illustrate, because this means we become a student of God's word. We all become students. It's part of how we grow in the knowledge of God in order to draw closer to God and how graciously God has spoken to us. We add rings of maturity like a tree. But it's rooted in God's word is the first word. 
So I want to illustrate some examples. Here's what I mean by putting in practice what we're talking about. True story. A friend of mine, several years ago, made a promise to me, a statement of something to be true. He was a part of this church. We were friends. I went to him privately and said, is that true? Can I trust that? Are you making this commitment? Yep, trust me. These are facts. These are true facts. Yep. That's all right. We're friends. I'll trust you. Your father, Christ, I'm in. Come to find out he lied. It cost me huge. I don't want to get into the story. I just enough to leave it right there. Man, that was a betrayal. Just cut. Anybody ever feel like you've been betrayed or burned by somebody in life? Just hands. Just, I don't even know how you live and not have your hand up somewhere. And I don't need anybody to tell me how to react. I know how to react. Get even. <laughs> I, mean, I don't need help. I already know. It's in me. I already got the answer. See, I already live in a world where I got my own words and thoughts. I'm going to say, the answer is get even in, and the world will reinforce it. The world will say get even in my spirit. kind of says, yes. Yeah, that, but, but I got to ask, is get even, is that true? Is that how you breathe life? So then I got to go to God's word. Regardless what the world says, regardless what my reaction says, I got to go to God's word. I'll illustrate for you. I'll just, I'll just slide over to Colossians chapter three and I'll read it. You can listen. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. It's already annoying to me. <laughs> don't pretend like you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Haven't you ever read the Bible and been annoyed? Because it's pushing against your own words and will. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, well, I do. Because <laughs> he's a jerk. And oh, by the way, I have a gift. I have the ability to nurse and rehearse wounds after the fact and eventually come up with a good response that's late. But I wish I could go back. I mean, do you ever have a moment like something didn't go well and you got like, you felt stupid or you got burned or you felt like, and you like, only later did you come up with a good, haven't you ever wanted to go back and like reverse time and be there and then like deliver it like with great sarcasm and, but you, any of you ever figure it out later but wish you could go back? So, so now, bear with each other and forgive one another Oh. Even if you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if you want to breathe life into living, you're going to have to learn to forgive. You can't carry a grudge. You can't treat people as they deserve because you don't want Jesus to treat you as you deserve. And I don't understand all of it, but the parts I do understand are really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I know my Heavenly Father forgives, and I want Him to forgive me, and that's got to operate among us. I'll give you another one. I was 25 years old, and I had an indecent proposal. 
I was pastoring another church in Michigan. I was in, like an assistant pastor, and this lady in the church asked for a meeting and counseling for a marriage. And they, was, they were a few years older than us, and a, a kind of a strong, spiritual, godly couple in our church. And she began to walk through, and to make a long story short, she got to the point, my husband's in the midst of an affair. Oh, I was so sorry. And, and then the summary was, and because he's in, a, in an affair, I can be too. And then, are you interested? I mean, that was one of the creepiest, weirdest. I mean, it messed with me. I'm 25 years old. I don't even know what's going on. I just, I literally left the room. Probably not because I was spiritual. It's just because I was weirded out. I, I literally, I walked out. I never saw her since, ever in my whole life. I just, what? Man, if, if other people in the world are committing adultery, so that's permission for you? Just because everybody is... Free to sexual sin. So, so, you know, how do you answer that? Well, you got to go to the... If I'm going to go to God's Word and let it breathe life, then let's give it a shot. First Corinthians chapter 6. I'll just read it for you. Verse 9. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor adulterers. The, the, <laughs> the world's opinion about adultery is not true. It's a half-truth that'll bring death into your relationships and into your life. So there it is. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. In other words, you've been transformed. We were all like that. We all lived in sin, but when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have a new view of truth. God's word becomes the first word. You're in the pursuit of biblical knowledge because it is the truth and it breathes life into living. So do we all face some form of sexual temptation from time to time? Sure we do. Maybe you're in one now. Breathe life into your living and flee sexual immorality. Here's another example. If God loved me, he'd make my life free from trials and temptations, free from setbacks and sorrow. Really? I was whining to the Lord recently about some things he has not kept from my life trial-wise. Didn't seem to bother him. <laughs> and I said, well, if you really love me, you would release that. And then he took me over to James 1 just to annoy me. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. So that you may be what, church? Say it again. What? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to breathe life into your living and you're in the midst of a trial, even though God may not always be the direct source, if he allows it, if he's let you travel through it, if you're even setback, sorrow, testing, trial, trust him. In fact, do more than that. Consider it pure joy knowing that God is testing you so that you become a person of perseverance. You become a person who can endure, who doesn't become weary in doing the right things. In due time, 
God will mature you because God's trying to help you become one with him. Someone passed along a, one of Oswald Chambers' um, thoughts. They're so insightful. I'm going to read the, a portion of it to you. It's really, this is really worth uh, listening to. And I, I had it written out so that you can follow it because it's a long thought. If you're going through a time of isolation, seemingly all alone, read John 17. It will explain exactly why you are where you are. Because Jesus has prayed that you may be one with the Father as he is. Are you helping God to answer that prayer? Or do you have some other goal for your life? And God is not concerned about your plan. <laughs> he doesn't ask, do you want to go through this loss of a loved one, this difficulty or this defeat? No, he allows these things for his own purpose. The things we are going through are either making us sweeter, better, and nobler men and women, or they are making us more critical and fault-finding and more insistent on our own way. If we will pray regarding our own lives, your will be done, then we will be encouraged and comforted by John 17, knowing that our Father is working according to his own wisdom, accomplishing what is best. And some of us are far from this oneness. <laughs> Yet God will not leave us alone until we are one with him, because Jesus prayed that they all may be one. See, when you face trials, the way you breathe life in your living is let Scripture, God's Word, be the first word on what's true. Be a student of God's Word. And wherever God's Word is clear, you be just as clear in your life. Wherever God's Word is clear, you, just, you be just as clear in your life. In fact, there's a couple things I jotted down just to wrap up the thoughts on what it means to commit to being a student of God's word. First thing I want to remind you is that while the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us because he's in us, listen, the first way God speaks to us is through the Bible. You have to be a student of the Bible. You have to know the Bible. You add knowledge progressively. It's how you move along in the spiritual growth process. So while the Holy Spirit speaks to us beyond God's word, the Bible, what is written. He speaks first through the written word. Secondly, what you need to know is God never contradicts his written word. I've literally had people who've been in the faith for years come and tell me, well, the Holy Spirit told me fill in the blank. And it, it contradicts the Bible. And you know what the answer to that is? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He, he told me, and I know. I, stop, stop. If, if it, God does not con contradict what he's already written. Additionally, if something's not clear in the Scripture, you have to use the Bible to interpret the Bible, meaning that when you read something in one place in the Bible, you go to other places in the Bible to make sure your interpretation and application are consistent in the whole. You have to be a student of it. The other thing to note is that most of us need help. We don't immediately understand the Bible. It's a complex book, and it needs to be understood. It needs to be interpreted. That's why God's design for the church is that you would have pastors and teachers that would come in. It's why we do what we do every weekend. Why do we do this? Why do I spend thousands of hours a year studying in order to set up teaching to come in and have these conversations together? Why do I do this? Because we all need some help in understanding the Bible. So yes, you need to have dialogue and learn from, from others through God's word, but it'd be, it's really important who you listen to. It's going to be somebody who understands it, somebody who knows what they're saying, somebody who lives it. And it's why we provide things like the posts 
the postings that we're doing for 21 days over this series. Oh my goodness, this is helpful. At 12stone.com slash read, have you, have you paid attention to the social media stuff we've been sending out and the stuff we've been posting? If you haven't, get online. You've got to check this stuff out. Like this week alone, we're going to talk about the genres in the Bible. The majority of people don't even understand that when they read the Bible, there's different genres. Like there's the law in the Old Testament, there's poetry, there's narrative, there's prophecy. You read them all differently. You don't just read them all the same, but you, if nobody's explained that to you, how could you know? Well, those are all part of the post all this week. Go check this stuff out. We're, we're, because we're committing to help you as a student of God's Word. We're all students of God's Word. Additionally, as we've said around here, uh, like at the end of March, I, I, I made it clear in this dialogue about the continuing continuum of people who are far from God and like, you know, zero to six is how I illustrated and how we build relationships with them. And what we, we've talked about, and we'll talk more, that on a Sunday weekend, I can only like reach uh, uh, maybe from six to 16 uh, uh, because you, can, you can't reach zero to 20 when you teach, but that we're committed to more and more uh, in the midst of a society of biblical illiteracy, we want to help. Well, well, let me just give you an example. We're highly committed on this end of the continuum. I'll call it like 14 to 20. And by the way, I don't even know what a 20 is. I'm not a 20. If you're a 20, I'd love to meet you. I I don't know what it is to be that mature and and that complete. But I can tell you we're launching something this fall because when I say we're committed to expand, we're launching this fall something more of kind of a biblical intensity where we're going to have our pastors lead specific Bible training, Bible understanding, First, we're going to do the book of Philippians. We're going to do it in a small group kind of format. So it's going to be six weeks. It starts in September. We're going to host it over at the John Maxwell Leadership Center. Child care is going to be provided and free. We're going to, it's going to be in a large room, but it's going to be around tables, round tables. So it'll be a small group kind of environment. You can literally sign up and bring your small group. Even if you had to be at two tables, that's fine. It doesn't matter. And we're going to take you through the book of Philippians in those six weeks and take you places you otherwise wouldn't understand, wouldn't be able to go. And we're going to do this multiple times a year. In fact, if we win this, we're going to do it in such a way that you can either come live on that Monday night, what I hope we do ultimately is so that it's material available and you can use it anytime you're a small group, but we'll see. Don't know if all that work. But we'll do groups and classes and environments that will be like the Old Testament survey, the New Testament survey, like, like overview of the Bible kind of stuff. And we'll do books of the Bible. And, and one of them we're going to do is, is, is over six weeks. How do you read the Bible? Most people have never been trained on how to actually read the Bible. I mean, we're just going to invest in those transitioning and progressing in demons. So you have the Bible knowledge for us. But what's the whole point of all this? That you would be one with him. That you would know him all the more. That you would walk with him. It's a relationship. And you're either going forward or backward. There's no neutral. Just like my marriage. And my motivation is positively out of joy. I want the benefit of a great marriage relationship. Negatively, it's because I don't want the sorrow that goes with a broken family. I don't want to breathe death and loss and lies into relationship. I grew up in that home. So I'm motivated. I want to be a student of God's word because it's the first word for what's true because it's God breathed and it breathes life and all of living I want that don't you so as I turn the service over to the campus pastors you got to ask yourself what are you going to do with this you're going to make God's word your first word you're going to become a student maybe all the more hey maybe just maybe There's somewhere in your life where you keep saying God's word is truth, but 
an area where you're not living according to the truth, where you're living out of people's words and your own words. And maybe that needs to be corrected too. So let's pray. Father, for the kindness of your Holy Spirit to be among us and to grant us the gift of the Bible, your word is such an amazing expression of your love for us. And now right now there's some of us who have walked in this truth for years and you want to reset this at a new level. Maybe, maybe we've gotten a little bit casual. Maybe, maybe because we live in a world that pushes against the Bible and pushes against your word and says that it's, it, it's far from the truth and they mock it. And, 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 and God, I pray that some of us would find strength, maybe restored strength to be students of your word. Maybe there's some uh, middle schoolers and some high schoolers, college students, people early on in life needing to say, you know what, I need to settle this, God, all the more. I need to be clear that, that your word is God breathed, that, that your word is the first word and it'll take some courage. God, would you pour that into the life of all who would pray right now, God, do that for me. I need that settled in my soul. Maybe some of us just reaffirming in our spirit, yes, God, that is going to be true for me. Your word is truth. And your truth breathes life into my living. God, do that for me. Some of us, God, may just have the courage to confess we, we've gotten a little sloppy and, and maybe we haven't been the student we could be and should be. And maybe we're, as we're talking about these things, we get all the more committed to seeking the knowledge of your word, your truth. Maybe some of us are aware right now that there's an area in our life where we're pretending that it's okay for us to live in a way that's inconsistent with your word. And that'll take some courage to confess that to you right now and say, God, that's got to change. I know it does. Half-truths are wrecking my life. And we would confess that and ask that you would teach us into next week when we have these conversations. What do you do when you blow it up and when you've gone the wrong way and holy obedience? So God, set some of these things in our soul right now. And as you pursue us, help us pursue you. In Christ's name, everyone greet saying, amen.